Good morning. We are going to continue our Proverbs series, uh, The Lost Art of Gaining Wisdom. Last week, we talked about uh, becoming a fool. So we looked at some of the harder places in the Proverbs, and what we saw, and I hope we remembered, what I'm hoping to remember from it, is the gospel calls us to kind of a foolishness in the sense that we become weak and we become needy of Christ in order to grow. And so when we look at Scripture verses in the Proverbs, like foolishness, our flesh wants to say, I don't need that. I don't, I'm not like that. But yet I think what we're supposed to do is lean in and say, how am I like this? And in what ways might I be tracking that course? And how can I grow? And so becoming a fool, uh, meaning growing by learning to lean into the Proverbs. This week we're going to tackle probably even more, that the laser beam is going to get a little bit more intense, I hope, because you all need this. And we're going to look at words. We're going to look at the topic of words and speech. Um, many of you know my, in my past, before I came here, I was an RUF campus minister at Colorado State, uh, like Shane is here for OSU. And we taught, uh, I remember doing, we had to do, um, at the summer conference, we had seminars. And my topic was the tongue. I think they assigned that to me because they were like, yeah, this guy needs some work. So I got to study and meditate on that. And um, a lot of that material is influencing this morning's sermon. That was two one-hour lectures. So I'm going to try to do it all in an hour and a half. Um, Just kidding. We're going 30 minutes, guys. A lot of visitors. You need to know I'm joking. 30 minutes. But it's going to be quick. It's going to be a little different than a lot of sermons. There's a lot more moving through the material, but what we're going to do is find out how to heal our words. So, uh, again, Proverbs 10, well, various places in Proverbs. I've asked Coleman to make slides. I'm just going to start reading these Proverbs, and you're going to get to listen to the Word of God, and then we'll dig in. So, starting with the first one, I'm not even going to tell you where they're coming from. I think the reference is up behind me. He who conceals his hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but a perverse tongue will be cut out. The lips of the righteous know what is fitting, but the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk, but a righteous man escapes trouble. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. A truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. I'm at 1218. Are we on the same one? Are we good? Oh, just listen to what I'm saying. Sorry, I I didn't send you this list? Okay. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm now looking at Proverbs, we're in 15, uh, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's an important one to hold on to. Uh, 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I'm going to stop there. I'll read some other ones as we go through the sermon, but you're, you're starting to understand that words have power. So let's pray now that the Lord would help us understand how we might grow in this area. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning really cut to the core, if we're honest, by the words we don't say, more by the words we do say. And Lord, as we think about our own stories, our own lives, we've been harmed by words and we need healing. 
And so, Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that this would be an encouraging discussion on how uh, individually and as a, as a congregation we could grow to use this powerful tool of words for your glory. Amen. Um, we often lie to children, and we do it in the form of like axioms or little fairy tales or little statements. For example, I'm going to start something, and if you know what I'm saying, you get to finish it. Sticks and stones will break my bones. You all just lied. Everyone just lied. Words will never hurt me. Um, words hurt. I've never had a broken, bro- broken bone. That's kind of rare. Uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm going to be really careful walking out of here today. But I've been really cut to the core by words. Right? They feel like they break bones. So words are really important. So I'm just going to tell you our outline and we're going to jump in. We're going to look at the power of words, the character of words. That's the type of speech. Uh, the source, where our words are coming from. And finally, how we might redeem our words. So Speaking about the power of words, uh, on the front of your worship guide, I I have a C.S. Lewis quote. It's always good to put C.S. Lewis because most people think, hey, he's pretty smart. Um, Listen to what he says. No philosophical theory which I have yet come across is a radical improvement on the words of Genesis that, quote, in the beginning, God made heaven and earth. If you're a Christian, you believe that truth that God created all things ex nihilo, uh, how did he do it? By speaking. So from the very first thing, even before that, Genesis tells us that the triune God says these words, let us make man in our image. So they're speaking, the persons of the Godhead, to each other, and they say, we want to use words to create everything that we now call creation. So words are powerful. Um, Just a few chapters later, when everyone's, after, after the flood, everyone's going haywire, Uh, They're building this crazy skyscraper that's probably like five stories high, the Tower of Babel. You know, I'm sure we would look at that and go, come on, you should see the Devon Tower. But they thought it was amazing, and they were going to build this all the way to heaven. And what does God do? He confuses their language. It's really the beginning of ethnicity and where racism finds its root is in everyone finding their own source of words and their own cultures and separating and hating the others. And that's the breakdown because of the fall. So words are powerful. Then we have Jesus who comes and John calls him the divine logos, the word made flesh. He is how we see God. He's how we know who the Father is. He's the word. Uh, There's a really great book by a woman named Dorothy Sayers. She's a friend of Lewis and a friend of Tolkien. Uh, she was a playwright, amongst other, other things, other types of fiction. But the, the book's called The Mind of the Maker. And in it, what she's doing is doing a lot of theological digging into the, into the Trinity. But she's showing how, as individual creators, that is, if you're an artist, we all are, in a way, we create things, how we image God. And she says, like, if you're a writer, you have to actually have the words come out to know if that's reflecting what's in your head. You have some concept of a painting or a a poem or something, but it's not until you have a real word that you can tell. Is that what I'm, you know, you might write a line, that's what I mean, no, that's not what I mean, until you find the right one. And she's illustrating how Jesus is the divine logos and with him we now know God the Father. But also the fact that words themselves have power as well. Um, and ex- another example I've used before is um, 
after the bombing of Pearl Harbor, FDR says famously, you know, this is a date that will live in infamy. But when you go to the Smithsonian and you look at that speech, it's scratched out. The word history is scratched through. He was going to say, this is a day that will live in history. Yeah, that's okay. It's a good, good line there. But when you add infamy, something grips you. The word matters, right? We now all know that statement. The words are important. They have power. So I think you all, if you believe me, let's move into how they have power over the listener. When I speak words to someone else, it has power. Proverbs twelve eighteen: Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I have a friend, I've told this story before, who, uh, he's my age, and he just casually told me one day, I don't really sing, like in church or anywhere, I don't sing. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know why? Yeah. In kindergarten, we were singing at music, and the kid next to me said, you don't know how to sing, you can't sing. And that statement so seared into his heart that he is, he's let that name him, and he won't sing anymore. Now, he may not be a great singer, but most kindergartners aren't great, right? It takes time and practice that he missed out on because he was named by just another kid being a knucklehead. So, words have power. Uh, Proverbs 15, 4, the tongue that brings healing is the tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Right, so words not only have power over the person you're speaking to, it can be both healing but also very harmful. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it, the tongue, will eat its fruit. That is, those who grow in their use of the tongue can bring life, or those who neglect this area can bring death. That's the power of words. Uh, also, they have power over the speaker. That's the one speaking. I can't spend as much time here, but it's very important because when I say words to myself, they're crafting how I feel about me. Now, as a really silly example, uh, when our kids like don't like food, have you ever? If you have children and they don't like what you're making that night, they don't often just say, "I don't feel like having macaroni and cheese." What do they say? I hate macaroni and cheese, and I'm always like, "No, no, 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 no." Like, don't believe that because we don't, I don't need a list of things my kids don't want to eat, you know. So it's like maybe we could reframe the language. Maybe I don't feel like eating that tonight. Maybe that doesn't sound good or I've had that recently. But when you start to say I hate something, your body, what, starts to kind of believe it. Now, if that's true about macaroni and cheese or tacos, Coleman, what about, what about when someone names you? Have you been named by people? He, oh, they're the funny one. Oh, he's not, he's not that fastidious. You know, those kind of things you get told as a kid, and you start repeating them over and over. Those words have power, and you start to tell them to yourself. I'm just not that funny. I'm just not whatever, right? So words are powerful. Secondly, let's now dive into the character of words. That means we're going to look at kind of the characteristics that we, I read a bunch of Proverbs, too many for you to really fully understand. Let me also say this. Uh, I used to play golf, and I'd get a lesson, and then the, the, the person giving the lesson would say, now, this lesson's only helpful if you go and actually hit like a thousand golf balls. And I had actually worked at the golf course at the time, so I could actually physically do that and go drag up the balls and hit them. 
But often I'd come back to the next lesson and he would, have you done that? I'm like, no. So I just want you to know, just a little side note for sermons. This is like that little lesson. This is just a little help. The question is, are you going to go hit a thousand golf balls with this information? That's up to you guys. So I'm going to blow through this, but I'm trusting that you're going to spend hours meditating on this later. Okay, even just a few moments would be great. And I'll give some specifics at the end. But with all those Proverbs on speech, which you can get, I can even post later or email them to you. Um, there's five characteristics we see that I'm going to go through kind of quickly. Number one, speech needs to be truthful and honest. That's one of the themes we were seeing in those verses. Uh, for example, uh, in 15.4, a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Um, so we're, we're looking for honesty. We're looking for truth in speech. Right? It's become axiomatic that politicians are liars. Now, I'm not saying that. If anybody in here is a politician, I'm not saying you're a liar. But it is interesting how we often just assume lying and deceitfulness has a place somewhere in our society when it absolutely does not. So are you truthful? Are you honest in your speech? Um, I'm going to move quickly. Uh, gentleness rather than harshness. Right? Uh, Proverbs 24:15. And this kind of, by the way, is the breaking the bone thing. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded. So gentleness, patience. But, um, oh, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. So a gentle tongue can break a bone. That sounds like weird, doesn't it? Why would a gentle tongue? Because what I think the proverb is saying is you can absolutely change the course of, a, of an action of a person's own heart if you're kind and gentle. So that even someone who's a, a, um, in charge of something might be cut to the core and change through gentleness. 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many fights have you been in, arguments, where there's that moment where you know you tipped over the line? Like, I could have said something a little bit kinder, but I said the harsh thing, and then there goes like 24 hours, you know, like now we're in Armageddon, and that's never happened in our marriage, but, you know, like other relationships. Just kidding. So kindness, gentleness. We've got truthfulness, number one. Two is kind or gentle. Three, wise or aptness. Um, Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So when you read a proverb like that, you have these parallels. There's the reckless word pierces like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The first parallel doesn't say who's doing it, but we assume an unwise person, maybe a fool. But the second one says the tongue of the wise brings healing. The assumption is I want to be wise. But the issue is the question I have to ask myself is do I bring healing in my speech? So my question for all of us would be are we in situations relationships, etc., where we have the opportunity to heal with our words. In other words, are people even revealing brokenness to us? Are we in conversations where it's even an option to offer a kind word? I'm afraid in our modern culture, it's very tempting to just find your Facebook people and your whatever people and your good, feel good people and you don't ever have that situation where healing's even an option. And yet, the Proverbs call us to aptness and um, words of healing and care. Proverbs 16.23, a wise man's heart guides his mouth and his lips promote instruction. So aptness uh, is both 
calm, gentle, but also timely, right? An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Who wants to explain that one? It's not sexual, okay? It's not, it sounds like it is, but in ancient cultures, uh, one ancient writer says, when one man meets another, it is easy to see if they are equals if they will kiss on the lips. Awkward for our culture, but what our takeaway is, what the proverb is teaching is an honest answer is, is um, the word is empathy. It, it, he, the person is saying, I'm with you. I'm where you are. I'm at your level. Are you empathetic? When someone has a problem, are you with them in that problem? Or are you kind of like, oh, that, that kind of sucks for you. Do you see the difference? So uh, the proverb is saying, are you honest? Are you providing apt, kind, gentle help? In the moment, are we in those kind of relationships? Okay, fourthly, courageous and forthright. This is hard. Uh, Proverbs ten eighteen: the one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is a fool. We looked at it last week under the concept of fool, but the idea is oftentimes slander, I'm over here talking about that person over there, right? That person over there is someone I'm obviously angry with, and I've not talked to them. I've not been forthright. I've not been courageous. So what I've done is I've ignored my struggle, even my hatred here, and I've walked over here and I've slandered them and I've gossiped them and I've ruined them. Elsewhere it says the gossips will come in between relationship. So are you someone who pays attention to your feeling when you're hurt by somebody and then with forthrightness and courage you go to that person and tell them? If you're talking about someone to someone else, that's a good sign that you probably ought to confront. You know, a lot of people, I don't know if I should confront. I don't want to be confrontational. Totally get that. We don't need to confront on every issue. But if I'm going to go over here and talk about it, probably it's in the category of I should have told the person. And I'm, guys, I struggle. I'm guilty. I'm with you. This is like a sword. Do you feel a sword? Is anyone feeling that? If you're not, it's because you're not listening to me. Or you're like amazing. I don't want to be your friend. Number five and last topic before you kind of talk about how, what, how to heal from these things. Economic speech, uh, economical, that doesn't mean money. It means like less speech. Um, Proverbs ten nineteen. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. We live in a world right now where we produce more words per human than like any other time in history. And what's crazy is used to, it was just the extroverts like me, the, the blabbermouths. But all you introverts who don't speak in public, I see you on Facebook posting every thought you've ever had. So we're all struggling with this. And it's not wrong to have a lot of words necessarily, but the point is we might want to pay attention to it. Like maybe we should think about how much speech we're involved in, how many words we're saying Oh, I want to be really, really careful. I've just, something I've noticed, and it's, this is a little, this is very dated. This is more when the cell phone was becoming popular, so that's pretty dated, right? But I'll see, like, this is, okay. I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. I see workmen, like plumbers, or, you know, driving with this phone on their ear. Have you ever noticed that? Like, who are you talking to? Like, people were just driving around. Like, that person before the cell phone would have probably never talked to someone in the middle of the day. But now, just driving around talking, and I'm like, we're all kind of like that. We're like, 
bored. I need to talk to someone. I need to read information. I need to be engaged in speech. So nothing wrong with that by itself, but the Proverbs are encouraging us to at least be aware that when there's a lot of words, there's a lot of opportunity for sin and transgression. Rarely are we praising with all those words or, or giving constructive, loving help to people. It's just, it's just a volume that we're trying to keep up with. And often what it leads to is just banter and um, things like that. So that's it. Uh, next time we'll talk about how to heal the words. Okay, just kidding. We have 10 minutes left. I want to now try to make some constructive work for what we've done. We just cut our hearts out. What are we going to do now? Well, we have to understand what's the source of our words. Why is this important? Because the words are coming from somewhere. Right? Words aren't just magically appearing. They, are a, they, are, they reveal things that are happening deep inside of us. Jesus famously says in Matthew, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So very famous words from Jesus. Jesus is simply giving you a very simple understanding of the anatomy of how life is. Your heart is revealed in your speech. Now, what's fascinating is the very verse before that he says this, you brood of vipers. Hasn't he read Proverbs? That sounds a little harsh. But he's talking to Pharisees. And he's in a moment where most every other human would have said they're famous, they're popular, they're, they're successful, say nice things to them. And Jesus looks at them and he's apt and he's courageous and he knows that he cuts to the heart. And he says, you brood of vipers. What, what is he saying that for? He's saying you are pretending to have it all together, but your hearts reveal that you don't. And then he makes the famous statement, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we want to think about where our words are, what the point is, the words are coming from our heart, we need to begin to look at our words more closely. What are we like in our speech? Hey, you know, if you wanted to go on a diet, you would look at what you eat now, right? Or you want to work on your workout regimen, you would look at how am I working out now? Like anything you want to change in life, you tend to start with where am I today? And that's no different from speech. So one of the first things we need to do is begin to look at the speech that we make. I'll talk more about this in our last thought, but seeing where it's coming from. What, what, why am I speaking these words, this type of language? In James 4.1, James says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? He's just given this entire beautiful dissertation on the power of the tongue and he's asking the question, what causes this stuff in your lives? He says, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Your heart wants something, and it's not getting it, so you murder. So you say things that are harsh. So you say things that are mean, right? And all types of speech do this. And so what James is saying, and what Jesus has already said, is that out of the heart comes our speech. They're like, our words are like tracer chemicals, Right? How is it with your soul? Let's look at your words. That's the mirror to your heart. So questions before I move into the final point. What are the areas that you struggle with with your speech? If we were to see a transcript and feed it through something that could give me like a, a pretty good readout, what would we see? Cynicism? Sarcasm? These are things I think a lot of us, and I myself included, uh, dismissive? What kind of language do you use? How about selfish language? What is self? It's always about self. Some people just, they talk great, but it's about themselves. 
um, passive anger, active anger, uh, naming people. What does that look like? Slander and gossip. I'm telling somebody else about this person and I'm naming them. What are the patterns of speech you, you struggle with? Because that will reveal the heart. So how do we heal? Last point, the healing of our words. I feel like I'm moving through a lot of material quickly, but sorry, I told you it was going to happen. So let's see what we can do with this. How, how would words heal? Well, the good news is, and we've talked about this all through the church service, if you pay attention to the, to the things we say, the scriptures we reference, uh, God doesn't love you because of your words or the lack of words. God loves you because you're his son or daughter. And Jesus has come to rescue you. And if you're a Christian, you are adopted, not because of anything you've done or anything you haven't done, but because of the love of God and the, and the, and the efficacy of Jesus' righteousness in his blood. Does that make sense? That's the gospel. So we are free as Christians to be really honest with our words. There's a very famous place in the Old Testament where Isaiah, chapter 6, he's caught up in the throne room of heaven and he sees on the throne God and the angels are saying, holy, holy, holy. And he's cut to the core. And you know what he says? Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. What is he saying? My words are of sin. Now, what words was he confessing? We don't know. But the point is this. His first thought was his speech. And yet he says it as one who is being redeemed. And then the, the angel puts the coal on his tongue, right? And he becomes a spokesperson for God. He's been ushered in and called as a prophet. Right? I mentioned the Tower of Babel, the confusion of languages earlier. Do you know where that was fixed? In Acts chapter 2, the church is waiting on the Holy Spirit. Jesus has resurrected and ascended. He's given his final instructions to the apostles. And the Spirit comes with like an earthquake. And these tongues of fire descend. And they change the speech. People can hear the gospel. People can hear it, and they're changed. Now, what does that look like for you and I? Well, first, are we praising God? Are we acting like Isaiah and like those first disciples? Um, this morning, I read, I have this um, daily devotional by Jack Miller. So his son has gone backwards to all of his sermons and made it a daily devotional. So I thought I'll read today's, August 2nd. And he says, there will be no power in your life if you're living for your own glory. Have you surrendered your life to the glory of God? Have you said, here I am, Lord, send me? Isaiah 6. That's what Isaiah says. When he sees the glory of God, what does he do? He, Woe is me, yes. But then he says, I will go. I've seen your glory. And so Jack is saying, have you surrendered your life for the glory of God. Because if not, then your words will not be healed. Because the words will not be healed through self-determinism, through stoicism, through effort, through a program, through I'm just going to become a mute and only say a few things a day and hopefully those are pretty good. That doesn't work. You need a heart change. We need the gospel. And so what the healing starts with, if you already are a Christian, then it's a fresh grasp of the glory of God. If you're not a Christian, then it's coming to that place the first time and saying, Lord, I want to see your glory. And so we come to this place where we lay down our lives and he begins to shape our heart 
and change our words. It's very hard to be in a, in a posture of praise and then turn immediately and be harsh. Right? The times in your life, think about it, where you have felt the closest with God. It's those times where your, your language probably begins to radiate to other people as well. So the way up, the way you have better language, is the way down through repentance, through coming before the Lord and being honest. So let's get really practical. Um, I would ask that we would all begin to pray by, in looking at our particular language, like what words do I struggle with? And then going to the Lord and not only asking for particular forgiveness, but Lord, will you show me where I'm not believing your goodness, where I'm not trusting your glory, where I'm not longing for you? Where am I leaning on my own understanding? And through that process, I think he'll begin to redeem our, our language. So I'm gonna just end with giving you an assignment. Come, will you put it up? Here's your assignment. This is the hitting the golf balls, a thousand golf balls. I've, a lot of you have seen this before, but just a test to see where you are with your speech. For the next 48 hours, do these things. Do not, do you have the do not first? Start with the do not list. Okay, I'll start with the do list because that's what he has. Do this. Okay, no, that's good. Start with the do not list. Okay, do not gossip. Do not complain. <laughs> it's going to be hard for me. <laughs> Sorry. There's, put an asterisk on that. Do not criticize. Do not blame shift. There's a lot of really great apologies that come with a blame shift. Do not defend yourself. You know, do not boast. Do not deceive others. 48 hours of that. Is that possible? I would encourage you to not dismiss this, but to actually think, I'm going to track that a little bit. On some level, I'm going to try this. But then, because there are those people who are like, I just won't speak for 48 hours. We have a do list. Spiritual inquiry. This is that apt language, just that healing, right? Do you have anybody in your life you can go up to and, and encourage spiritually? Affirm others. Express gratitude and praise. This is huge, guys. If the only thing you got out of this entire conversation was this next one, apologize quickly. And let me add well. Apologize well and quickly. Not I'm sorry. That's not an apology. Can we all agree? That's not an, and if you just say the word sorry with no other words, that's not a sentence. That's a I want to get in and out as fast as I possibly can. When my kids used to say sorry. I said sorry. I'm like, yeah, that's just a word. Like, I am sorry for doing X, Y, or Z and harming you. Like a full apology. Let's do that quickly. And then the last one I have, speak directly and honestly to people. We need the Holy Spirit for these things. But God wants his children to experience his holiness because it's glorious. A community who speaks like this will be a really great community. And the world will want to be a part of that community. So this is not just a finger-wagging from God. This is God lovingly inviting you to be like him. What other religion is like that? Every other religion is like, no, no, I'm the God and, and you're down there. Our God's like, I have adopted you and I'm making you like me. I want you to look just like me. So, and one of the primary ways we can do that is starting to speak as he would speak in our lives. So let's be praying for this. And uh, let's hit a thousand golf balls this week with this information. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we um, praise you that you have called us to be like you, and you promised to put your spirit in us, which you have done when we were saved. If we're Christians, your spirit is now in us, and you're communicating all of what Christ is to us, Lord. We have all the benefits of Jesus. So, Lord, we know we also still struggle with sin in our old man, our flesh. But, Lord, our new man, that is the renewed person that you've given us, can repent. And we can say, Lord, I spoke harshly. Will you forgive me? We can examine things and, and not be utterly destroyed. We can actually name the fact that we have areas we need healing in. And as we lift those areas to you for your glory, we pray you would heal them. Whether we struggle with cynicism, negativity, anxiety, or so much speech, whether it's privately in our own mind or being spoken out of our mouths, so much of it can be healed. I pray that we would love the speech found in the scripture, that we would go to your word and read it and eat of it and be changed for your glory. Amen.